So welcome, Antoinette. Thank you, Elizabeth. It's great to see you today and talk to you. Yes. So we're here for our uh, Recovering Academics podcast. I think this is episode four. This is episode four, I think. Yes. So, um, and, you know, we usually speak about something academic uh, related. Uh, Today, it's just going to be, I think, about us as academics and recovering academics and that general feeling of dread and exhaustion that we're going through that I think we're sharing with everyone on the planet right now. Um, What is it? Are we 18 months into the pandemic? Yeah. And yeah. I think it's not just necessarily the illness or the or the um, strife over the pandemic, but the fact that we've had 18 months to really um, look at how we live, how we work, what our values are and such, and then deal also with our own mortality, the mortality of the people around us, uh, <clears throat> about the big problems on the horizon. We can't hide global warming, for example. Right. Right. Um, and, and waiting for solutions that don't seem to be coming that I think that that is a central part of the frustration and the angst that I feel is that, um, like, for example, one reality that I'm sitting in right now is the fact that COVID is raging through the public school system here in the state of Florida, where I live, but I don't have any other options available this year for my child for schooling. I mean, yeah, I could take her out and put her in a Florida virtual school. But uh, as I mentioned in 2020, I want her to have her connection to a teacher and to a school with a mascot that has culture. It's important for our kids to still have that as they grow up. And Florida virtual school, for all of its glory, doesn't offer that. And Digital Academy was yanked off the table this year. They said, you put your kids in school or else. Yeah, that's, that's pretty frightening. Now we had, and I don't think I had mentioned it to you, we had a little COVID scare um, within our own family. And here we are in California, our nieces started uh, kindergarten. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, looking, weighing the pros and cons of it and taking COVID very seriously and then thinking, you know what, well, there's, what's the trade-off that they don't, that they're going to be behind their social peers, that they're going to lose some of their socialization or their, that early socialization. So, okay, um, mask up, follow the protocol, give it our best try. Uh, they started last Wednesday by Monday, uh, fevers, coughing, um, et cetera. So they had to be tested and we're thinking, oh my God, you know, and I think all family gave their, we all chipped in our two cents, you know, like mm-hmm. we support you in sending them to school because there really isn't much of another option. Right. They, they need to, you know, this is an important time. They need to, to, to meet other people and learn yes. how to interact yes, and such. So, um, you know, we're all feeling pretty guilty. Fortunately, it's a cold. Um, That's good. I'm glad, you know, but how many other people are going through that and that, that it, they caught a cold because they haven't been exposed to other people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) It's going to happen, but it's just, um, you know, that, that moment and, and that dread too, that, oh my God, what if, you know, I feel Mm -hmm. like 
we're, we're 18 months into this and we're not really much better than we were before. And I would argue that we are worse. I don't think we're prepared for it. I don't think we, I, I, you know, here's all this going on. We had 18 months to prepare for it and we still can't get out of the gates and get back to school and get to mm-hmm. and do it mm-hmm. in a way that is safe and not uh, dread inducing. Um, and such. So I guess maybe it's a lot of fatigue of, I recognize I'm in danger. I recognize the people I love are in danger. I recognize even people I don't like are in danger. Um, And that's not the world I want to live in. No, it's not for me either. And, um, you know, something that I always used to reflect on when I would, uh, when I was still in like middle school and high school age, when I would sit in history class and, you know, we'd go over these lessons of, you know, Mesopotamia and ancient times and then learning about AP European history and and AP US history and things like that. I remember one very distinct thought that I always had was, I'm glad that I live in a time where there are more options available. I have more choices available to myself. And I know that as long as I've got options, I will be good. But for the first time in my life, I feel like my options are completely drying up and I don't even really know why I didn't do anything wrong. I just, I've just been over here living along for the ride. And now all of a sudden it seems like prospects and opportunities and options are just being snatched away or made unavailable so quickly. And that part is hard to contend with. When you're somebody who has always banked on options, you know, has always thrived upon having options that that part's been really hard. And that part is where I almost feel like historians are laughing like, ah, you thought you're going to escape the history book curse, but nope, your time of being alive is also plagued with issues and it's going to get reported on in ways that will sound preposterous 30, 40 years from now, you know, that it just is what it is. I, I, I see that. And I think, um, the distress that we're feeling is that it's, and I'm sure people are feeling it for different reasons, but probably intersect a lot with ours that we were sort of given a roadmap. You will go to school, you will study, you will uh, present yourself. Well, mm-hmm. you will join clubs you will take mm-hmm. up hobbies. You will be part of a community, whether it's a church community or something like that. You will follow all of these rules and you will go to college and you will get married and you will have children and you will have a career and all this. And maybe mine's a little less traditional, but still go to college, have a, get married, have a career, no children for me, but, mm-hmm. um, I feel like I played all, I did everything I was supposed to do, everything mm-hmm. I was supposed to do. And right now I find myself as just struggling to get students and, and teaching as an independent contractor. Uh, even, even when I can find students and I'm working um, crazy hours, it's still not enough. And it's, uh, I look at teaching jobs. Okay. Let me go back to the traditional teaching world. Wow. You're asking for a master's, uh, and you'll give preference to someone with a doctorate and you're offering $18 an hour. Yeah. Uh, how, how am I supposed to do that? I read on, 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 before I give it back to you, Antoinette, I read this morning on, um, Reddit, I saw 
that uh, surveys show that the vast majority of people no longer believe that if you work hard, you'll get ahead. Um, uh-huh. And I think that's because of you and me and the rest of the world and all of you listening, we've worked really hard. Yes. I don't know how far ahead we are. Yeah. I feel like um, I'm looking back every day. I agree, you know, um, and this has actually been a huge bone of contention between me and some of the older members of my family, um, some of whom I have decided I cannot have a relationship with anymore because they are coming from the standpoint of, well, why is this so hard for you? Why can't you figure out how to, you know, get it poppity pop and basically because they are so out of touch. Mm-hmm. They have been removed from the workforce for 10 plus years or their relationship with the workforce force when they left it or when they were last engaged with it was very much a, I'm just going to take whatever they give me and be happy for it. It was not what I would call empowered by any means. And, um, you know, I get frustrated by that because it, people, people like to speak, people like to speak as though these problems don't all exist. Like, like they're not all getting turned around in the same blender. You know what I mean? Um, I'm going to make this example right now, just because it's an example. I don't want to go off on a tangent on this. You and I can talk about anything, but for our episode, I don't want to go off on a tangent (laughs) on this. But one example that has been coming to me repeatedly, especially in the last week or so, as we have seen images of what this whole pull out of Afghanistan thing has looked like, mm-hmm. is that Joe Biden speaks about this Afghanistan conflict as though he had nothing to do with it, as if he wasn't vice president for eight years of the last 20. Like I, that, that part makes me really turn sideways and scratch my head. And the same thing goes for people who know that they didn't practice financial responsibility. They didn't practice accountability. And so therefore systems have been left broken due to this. And now you're wondering why the people who are coming up after you are not able to take advantage. Like that just seems so willfully obtuse. And I know you and I talk a lot about the bullshit meter. Friend, I got to tell you, I have to stay in my house off the internet in order to keep my bullshit meter from flying off the radar because I'm so tired of it. I'm so tired of it. There's a lot of that. I I had a, and and I agree with you that um, it is, it it is chutzpah for Biden to say that, you know, he's not been part of it. I sort of understand how he's trying to frame it because, you know, we can go back to Rumsfeld. We can go back. It's all all of our presidents since Mm -hmm. Afghanistan have been complicit in it. The vice presidents, our senators, our Congress people, they've not done, um, They've not done our bidding, you know, um, and such. And we, we have every reason to, we knew not to go into Afghanistan. We saw what it did to the Soviet Union. It, 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 it it broke, you know, financially broke them. Uh, So, and, and dissolve, you know, a major, a major reason um, why Mm -hmm. they're, why it's no longer a Soviet Union. Um, it's not a winnable war, yet we we fell for it and we accepted it. Um, and we just I had, kept going along with it for 20 the, years. Like 20 years is such a long time, Elizabeth. Exactly. And then when I get to hear people incensed about it and they say those poor Afghani people, I say, you know, in 20 years, you didn't learn that they're called Afghans and not Afghanis. <laughs> um, 
<laughs> you know, that one in Afghani is the, is the currency, you know, it's like, don't, don't pretend like you care all of a sudden. Cause I don't think you care. You saw the image and you're, you're deciding to care because we just want to be outraged about something. And mm-hmm. we've got to find some fault with Biden uh, because there is an other fault. I mean, there's plenty of fault we can go for, but we're looking for the jugular each time. Yes. But yes. I had um, lunch with, you're talking about dealing with someone from the generation beyond us. Mm-hmm. Um having lunch with a, a, a family friend, very nice person. But um, I, when I was mentioning in, working in college and at a for-profit college and that we had a certain, a certain population, and I said, you know, it was the first time I was exposed to extreme poverty. And mm-hmm. I said, you know, like the kind where I would hear a parent say, do I feed me tonight or my child? Mm-hmm. You know? And he immediately interrupted me and he said, people, he, said, um, it's about priorities because I bet she has a cell phone and he immediately shut me down. And I didn't want to fight with him because it's a family friend and he's older and such, Mm -hmm. but that one was like, okay, that was really dismissive of, of the struggle that people go through. And then Mm -hmm. the second part that he did was he was talking about how, um, how how horrible it is that we can vote by mail and we've got to keep elections tight. And I start to get an idea of where his politics fall and that's okay. Oh yeah, but most definitely. Talking about voting and he says, you know, so what? Every, you know, no democracy lasts more than 250 years. And here we are hitting our 250th year or we're upon it or whatever. And if it goes away, it goes away. Big deal. And I was thinking, you know, spoken by a man who enjoyed all the privilege of democracy and these social structures. And now that it's being taken away from maybe me, you know, and I'm sort of on my, I'm on the South side of 50. Um, you know, it's, 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 I don't have to deal with it that much longer, you know, but I think of my nieces, I think of your children. Mm -hmm. Is is it fair that someone so much older says, oh, you know, I I had all the benefits of a secure job, of a good economy, of the taxes taking care of our road. You know, I I had all that security and, oh, you know, it's just a fact of life. It's going away. Too bad. So sad for the rest of you. (sighs) I don't know. That's just not good enough for me. Like, I, um, in my walk through life, I am obviously no stranger to what discrimination and racism can look like, but often when people get to know me, they are so surprised that I could ever be a victim of something like that. They are like, you know, I, I speak to you and you're so eloquent and you have such a nice demeanor, blah, blah, blah. How is it that you were ever a victim of this? And then I explained to them that, you know, most people who act like that, when they look at someone who does not look, does not fit what they're looking for, they're not usually talking to them and having a conversation. So I don't really get to make that first impression with some people. But then immediately after that, they'll follow it up and say, well, you know what? It's just great that you are who you are and you will always be taken care of in this life because you are so eloquent and you speak so well and you are intelligent and you will always find your way out of situations. So, you know, like a Sandra Bland situation would never happen to you, Antoinette. So you're good. Don't worry about it. And and I just said a lot of things right there, but that is what a lot of people say to me. And um, that attitude is exactly what, what your family friend 
was also touting this whole idea of like, well, I'm fine. It's okay. Don't worry about it. That Don't you see that that's the reason why we are now staring down a literal death clock for the planet? Like we're, we're, we're taking away the years. Okay. Unless somebody has like a spare 50 rainforests to just sprout up tomorrow and be mature. We're not going to turn this thing around very quickly. And, um, <clears throat> I don't know why we are still continuing to encourage and nurture that type of mindset when the consequences are so evident right now. I mean, I, I look around and I see very clear consequences for not, not addressing the wage issue, the, the, the minimum wage issue and figuring out how to get to the bottom of that truthfully. I see that now. I see the issue of, you know, when you don't allot funding appropriately when it comes to certain districts and how schools get their funding and stuff like that. We, we, we see the evidence of that now. We see what it looks like when people decide that, you know what, this electoral college thing, let's figure out a way to play this in our favor. We've seen that now, you know, and I just, and the, the list goes on. There's tons of things that we have seen the effects of it now. And I'm just wondering why no one is hitting the stop button and saying, you know what, we gotta, we gotta adjust all of this. I mean, regardless of the time it takes, the cost associated with it, it's already pretty expensive now for us to continue having these problems. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's it. I guess I, I feel um, maybe Earlier in my life, I felt like I could make a difference. Right now, I just feel like all I can do is sit on the sidelines and just marvel at the cognitive dissonance mm -hmm. uh, that, that people go through incredible mental gymnastics to justify everything. I tutor a young man who is who didn't, doesn't want to finish high school. He doesn't see a point to it. Um, well, so wait, hold on. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I just have to ask, okay. does that mean he wants to stay in high school forever? Well, no, he just wants to drop out and maybe do his GED. And then I remind him, and this is the sad truth. It'll be a lot harder to, you're going to really have to study to get that GED yeah. versus you just have to have a pulse to finish high school. Yes. That's do it. Do it. The, the, the first time around, it's a yeah. lot easier. It's so close, dude. But anyway, with him and he, you know, and he's, he doesn't know that he, he you know, he, he just doesn't have a future. Okay. Mm -hmm. That he's, that he's building for himself or even thinking of, and then, um, we're working on a high school assignment because he's still in high school and, and you know, over my dead body, is he going to drop out? Um, he's, we're doing an assignment and he's talking about the political spectrum. And then he just sort of says, liberals are bad. And I said, well, there are bad liberals and there are bad conservatives, but he's like, no, liberals are stupid. And I'm thinking this, this guy who is espousing these very conservative views, and you know me, uh, Antoinette, I am conservative, mm -hmm. um, but not anymore. Um, <laughs> I, I just, I don't want to claim any identity there. But anyway, he's espousing these beliefs. And I'm thinking, you're the one who's going to benefit. <laughs> you're already going against your own interests. You know, if you are taking it, you've decided half the country is bad. Mm -hmm. You know, because that's the way we've been set up. We've been we've been taught that. Um, but you're going to dismiss 
you know, you, you have in your mind, because we did get into it and he not, not fight. I just was trying to get at the root of it right? against any, any socialism. And I was thinking, but you're the one who's going to, you, you benefit from the roads, your taxes pay for that. You mm-hmm. benefit from having um, ho- access to hospitals and emergency services. Uh, you and benefit- a school that you can just go to, you, you know, don't have yeah, to take seven you- buses to get there. <laughs> exactly. So we're talking about um, we're talking about this this young man and uh, going on a very binary view of politics where it's just identity and it's not about policy. And I have no problem what he believes because I still fall on, you know, one side of the spectrum myself, Mm -hmm. but I care about the policies. Mm-hmm. And I also recognize as much as I believe in, as, as much as I have believed in and espoused capitalism, I also recognize there are times when we do have to put the community's needs. Yes. Um, how can we have people hungry? How can we have people uh, not getting the medical care that they need? Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I understand that, but I, I recognize this young man already just has a very, a, a very, divisive view of politics and not policy Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. it's like i i just i'm sorry i'm having a week where i have no faith yeah yeah um you know with this being so being that we're in 2021 right now that means that this is the 20th anniversary for a lot of things for um and you know somebody who is in my age group who actually graduated from the same high school as me so i'm sure that you have been aware of this too but um you know the 20 year anniversary for 911 is approaching i am so dreading that i don't know what it is but the idea that we're going to cross off a 20th year anniversary since then, and I, I think maybe I still haven't processed through just exactly how that event impacted me, all of the ways that it impacted all of us, because there was a lot of policy that came out of that. There was a lot of alterations that were never, ever reversed. There's parts of our life that never went back after 9-11. Yeah. Um, you know, that for me has me feeling very dreadful right now because um, you know what it is? It's because of what you said earlier. When I was 17, I had so many ideas of the things that I was going to do with the world, the way that I was going to make my mark here, the messages that I was going to spread and just the boundaries I was going to break and all of the things that I was going to do. And I'm sitting here at 37 feeling really sad that the majority of the aspirations that 17-year-old Antoinette had, those are never going to come to fruition because the world is just not like it was before. Mm -hmm. And um, that's unfortunate because I know that there are certain dreams that died with that. There are certain, you know, there were certain hopes that died with that. And if it happened with me, I'm sure it's probably happened with other people. And, um, that's the part that I feel the most uneasy, dreadful, negatively about, because I don't know what the relief is for that. I don't know what the solution is. I try to immerse myself in the present, but as we've been mentioning, people in our present are not good listeners. They're not critical thinkers. They're not, um, thinking about many people outside of themselves. And for some of us, that's what we have to do now, because we've put ourselves behind trying to, to, consider everyone else and include everyone else who has now left us behind 
and we're stuck, you know? Um, I just wish that I could find my hope again and find, find that those aspirations and all of that light that I had when I was 17, I still have my light, but it's dimmer. And, um, there's times when I don't even want to turn it on anymore. Cause it's just, I don't want to expel the effort. It's easier to just lay in bed and watch YouTube all day. <laughs> yeah, it, it is. Um, it's, it's very daunting and you're right. I had very different visions of, of what my future would be, um, than how it has turned out. I wouldn't say necessarily that I'm disappointed in, my situation so much as confused by it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I can at once be upset that no, I, you know, I'm, I'm not, well, we're going to use a, a very vague term as far along as I would have wanted to have been in life, whether that's financially or career wise or what have you. But then I think about it and it's um, I there's, I can't really complain. I, I think I, have made it far along enough that, um, you know, I live, I, I'm comfortable, mm-hmm. you know, um, nothing extravagant or anything like that. And I, I still have, um, family when I acknowledge that a lot of people lose family or yes. have to take a break from fam- family and stuff. So I, I recognize how much is good in my life. I just, um, it, it's just that that reckoning. What is tomorrow going to be? Because I don't see things getting better. I mm-hmm. just see us being more divided, um, you know. And I think of the, stu- the the issue with the student and having that very uh, polarized view of politics, um, you know. And even even me fighting the urge not to be too polarized about anything. It's mm-hmm. hard not to, we're, we're led all along the way, but I don't know how we get out of it as, as a people, as a, as a world. I'm, I'm not even talking about as a country, I'm talking about as a planet, how do we change things? Because I, I don't, I, I get the feeling that people are having the same epiphanies we're having right now. That, yes. wow, we have really stepped in it and we don't know how to fix it. Yes. You know, um, as a matter of fact, I, I, well, first I want to follow that up by saying that I absolutely feel the same because I don't at all dread my life. I don't have regrets about my life. I actually feel very fortunate that I was able to find my someone and that we were blessed to have children of our own. Mm -hmm. I love that. And we have our little, our little piece of paradise here that we live on. And again, not super extravagant, but it's got the stuff that makes us feel comfortable. And that's good. I know there are a lot of people out there right now who like all the only phrase that they've been able to think about is rent moratorium for the last eight months or so. So I am grateful to not be existing in that reality. But um, yeah, I think that this is a very common sentiment. And I mean, I even saw a, a headline that said that the astronauts in the space station were looking at the earth with so much sorrow at seeing all of the satellite imagery, you know, well, it's not even really satellite imagery for them. They just look out the window and see that there's tons of fires burning all over the place. The planet doesn't look like those pretty earth posters anymore. They can actually see it for real. And they said that they just have so much sorrow. And I thought, man, that's gotta be a surreal feeling when you're outside of the earth, looking at the earth, 
mm-hmm. <laughs> everything you've ever known is right there and you are feeling sorrowful like the symbolism of that really got to me because I'm here and I look around and I feel sorrowful, but they're like pulled back, you know, like I'm on the lens and they're looking at me from the microscope kind of thing. Um, but it's true. And I, I sure do hope for some kind of movement. I mean, I, I would love to create a movement, but I I'm running out of energy for that. Elizabeth. How does the movement not look like, what happens perhaps in Portland. Yeah. How does it not look like that? How do you get, I I think a lot, I think we're also being manipulated into believing that any type of movement is bad and should Mm -hmm. be stopped and should be met with violence. Mm -hmm. And um, so we've, they found a way of shutting us up and they have their minions, their (laughs) minions, uh, you know, with my rights and my Uh freedom. You know, <laughs> don't tread on me. You know, don't tread on me. Uh, yes. You know, go ahead and uh, go ahead and protest anything. And I, I'll be out there to I just want to hurt you. Yeah. So w- we already know we can't. We, we just can't. I don't I don't know. It's it's I feel like um, I, I joke and this is half joking. I do think it's the end of the world. You know, I, it's, I mean, at a period in my life, I think it's not uncommon to believe that you're seeing end times at some point in your life. I mm-hmm. think it's a, a, you know, this notion of endism, I'm, I'm definitely susceptible to it, especially right now. Yeah. So I'm, I'm sitting here thinking this is the end of the world. I just thought that it would be abrupt. It would be like a comet hitting us. I thought it would Wouldn't be. Wouldn't that be nice? You know, it would <laughs> go like, so fast. <laughs> you know, it would be an apocalypse. But no, this is a long, drawn out, slow. This is going to happen over many years. And we all see ourselves heading towards, the, hurling towards the abyss. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing I can do about it. Mm-mm. So yep. that's, that's how I'm feeling right now. And I, you know, what a, what a depressing thing you, you tune in to hear academics and I've always associated <laughs> academics and learning with hope and all that, but you're hearing two burnt out educators, uh, two burnt out women, two burnt out human beings right now. We're tired. I suspect you're tired as well. Yeah. And, um, by all means, if you're someone who's listening to this and you recognize, you know, the feelings that we're speaking of and you feel similarly burnt out, but you know that you don't want to sit in that place just indefinitely, you know, I mean, if the end is going to come, there's not a whole lot that we can do about it, but we also don't have to just willfully surrender to like, okay, that's it. Everything's over. No, we can still have as good of a time as we possibly can while we're still here. Um, and so in that way, if you're someone listening to this right now and you would like to reach out, I know that you can reach out to me on Instagram and Elizabeth, if you're not comfortable sharing contact info, that's your prerogative, but to me on Instagram too. I don't know how to use mix, uh, how to use Instagram. I believe my handle is mix master loopy Liz. <laughs> Oh my gosh, you have so many nicknames. I just wanted to get a free fidget spinner at Comic-Con, so I had to open an Instagram account. Oh, did you have to go follow someone? Maybe I can figure it out and uh, get back to you. I'm not trying to, to be a jerk. I just uh, <laughs> simply haven't, haven't learned how to use Instagram. 
Okay, so Mixmaster Loopy Liz, because she's a DJ on the weekends. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> and then my, for myself, I have a less colorful handle, but you can just find me at Miss Antoinette Chanel and Mrs. M-S. A-N-T-O-I-N-E-T-T-E-C-H-A-N-E-L. So if you wanted to reach out, you could DM us and, you know, let us know you heard the episode. You're feeling the same. Um, I think that it's probably really common for people in academia to definitely be burnt out right now on all levels. I know that I can't work with my email client open anymore because I'm too afraid that every time the mail ding comes through, it's going to be my child's principal saying that there's yet another COVID case at her school. Man. Oh man. What we could not have um, this in my wild imagination. And I have a catastrophic imagination. I I imagine all sorts of catastrophes. (laughs) I could not have imagined this. Me either. You know, I think that for the two of us being the creatives that we are, being the writers that we are, um, we've dreamt up some pretty fantastic plots, but I never thought about this one. No, I mean, the- be this boring, slow, insidious malady that just creeps in and one moment to the next affects your life. Mm-hmm. And every day is a new adventure, literally literally an adventure because we don't know we really don't know from day to day where the next attack is going to be where the next fire is going to break out what lawmaker is going to go off the rails Mm -hmm. we don't know we just wake up and we go okay am i here he's here she's here okay the house is still here i think i'll start the coffee you know that that's kind of how it is going and um But I am grateful because I know that before we sat down to have this conversation, I was bawling. I was sobbing to you on Zoom, Elizabeth. And now I'm sitting here and I feel at least encouraged to finish the rest of my day. That's that that's that's encouragement, you know, and um, I think that it's important for people to connect. It's important for people to have conversations. And one of the largest reasons why I wanted to participate in this podcast with you was not only so that we could reflect on our times in academia and, you know, reflect on what's happening with the field right now and our observations, where we think it's going, but also because I think that even before COVID, we humans did not practice enough connection with each other for the purpose of just connection. I'm not trying to get you to buy anything. I'm not trying to get you to give me anything. I'm not trying to get you to come to work for me. I just want to talk to you because I want to hear how your day went. Mm-hmm. That is so empowering and enlightening for me to get to connect with another human who's not like a little child, you know, (laughs) I got my kids around here all the time, but it's nice to get to talk to a colleague and reflect on some of these things and be real about where we are in this life Mm -hmm. and have a second to air that out. So I really appreciate you. And I appreciate those who are listening to us as well, because that's a lot of this was largely therapeutic for me wanting to get on this podcast. So I appreciate you. I appreciate everyone listening to, and I, I appreciate you, Antoinette. I think that um, we we do have to put it out there. And maybe there are people who wonder, do teachers have bad days? Well, of course we do. And we're having a, a lot of bad days in a row right now. Um, and yeah. we are feeling we're just as human and um, 
we care. And I think it's the nature of our profession to, uh, you know, we're always planning for the future. That's what teaching is. Mm -hmm. It's planning and preparing people for the future. Um, and that's the part that's so hard is that we're all questioning our futures right now. So maybe a future or follow-up episode can be, how do we plan for the future? I like that. How do we include that in our, when we're teaching, how do we, how do we prep people for the new reality? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I would love to discuss that. And I think that both of us concentrating on solutions instead of just the problem will make us feel a lot better too. So that'd be more fun. We needed to get it out. Oh yeah, for sure. Not apologizing for that at all. You can follow us or or respond to us on Instagram. Antoinette's going to be a lot better. She'll probably (laughs) remind me um, and have to teach me remotely how to use my Instagram, but that's okay. I I love to teach, you know? Okay. (laughs) I do love to learn. except social media. Um, (laughs) But anyway, thank you all uh, for joining us today. Hope you're having a better day, but I completely, and we completely understand if you are also hitting that moment of, wow, what's the future going to be? Mm -hmm. Let yourself feel it because it's better than trying to deny it for sure. Okay. Thank you. And until next time, this is Elizabeth and Antoinette. Take care, everyone. Take care.